Hello, and welcome to this episode of Notorious Pedagogues, where we will discuss our book club project and how this year we are incorporating Shakespeare and his work. Now, there is a history, there's a bit of history to the book club. When we first started teaching this class, this will be our fourth time teaching it together. Mm-hmm. When we first started teaching this class, we didn't, there, no, there wasn't such a thing as a book club. And we noticed that our students needed some, um, it would have been better for them to have actual material to use to plan their lessons and plan their activities rather than just grabbing things out of the air. So the first time we used book club a couple years ago, we just got two books and we had them paired up and we had, I think we had five or six groups and that went, that went well. We tweaked that a little bit last year and changed the groups around a bit, but they were still a canonical text paired with a, a YAL text. This year, though, we're doing something completely different. It's completely different. And it is Shakespeare-focused, but it's not just Shakespeare-focused. It's we're all reading the same canonical text and then the other more recent text is uh, not the same. So, yes, we're all going to be reading Romeo and Juliet. Um, And when I was teaching ninth grade English, that is the play that I taught most often. Um, And it's one that still gets taught in most high schools. And so when we were thinking about pairing a Shakespearean play with young adult literature, um, this one really had a lot of crossover, a lot of options. Um, So we picked Romeo and Juliet. Um, But what I think is kind of fun, and I can already see our students... Um, you know, scratching their heads because we've said don't read a traditional text. Um, we f- we came across, and I've I've met the people who represent my Shakespeare, uh, myshakespeare.com. I've met them at NCTE, and what they've done is they've digitized the plays and they've added um, vocabulary pop-ups and um, audio and video recordings of particular scenes, and then uh, dramatizations of you know modern interviews with characters and all sorts of things. So what we've said to our students is don't buy a copy or don't go to your big Shakespeare anthology, but you're going to read this play digitally because we want them to also reflect on that, that reading the content experience, but then also reading it through this mode of delivery. Um, So I'm super excited to see how that goes over with them, you know, who's going to enjoy it, who's going to feel a little uncomfortable with it. Um, I'm thinking there might even be some students who are still so entrenched in traditional text that they hate it. Um, But I think that It'll be a really good conversation to unpack once we get there that you've read Romeo and Juliet and you read it digitally. Um, You had all these extra resources on the screen. Did you use them? Did you not use them? Um, And I think even having like last night in class, we asked them, is anyone reading Romeo and Juliet for the very first time? And there's only one student. So I think. I definitely want to follow up with her as someone who's reading it fresh. How is it as a first time experience reading it in this way? My favorite part about the book club, especially the way that we are structuring it this time, is that they really get, the students really get thrown into the place of, I am a student and I am also a future teacher that is leading into being a teacher. And that's what you're getting at with the 
Yes, you can read it online. You can make notes to yourself. So they're going to be reading in that modality. They're going to be thinking about themselves as students or students in our class. But then I really want to push them and keep pushing them to think, oh, I may make this note in the margins now. You can also return to this in three, four, five years when it comes time to teach this text. And how might you go ahead and be putting yourself in those in your future teacher self shoes? Like we've done other a couple of other assignments as far in the term. And they're probably still thinking of them as themselves as students. And this is really, you know, you, we're not just reading Romeo and Juliet just for the sake of reading Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet. It is, a, it is a canonical text. It is obviously connected to you were able to find nine, really easily find mm-hmm. nine more recent versions to connect uh, the book to. Like it's important in that regard. They're all going to end up having to teach it. But that they're not just reading <clears throat> it as a reader or to take yeah, yeah, yeah. a test or write a paper <clears throat> that we're starting to help them hone a skill, which, putting it in air quotes, read like a teacher, you know? So thinking in terms of scenes, thinking in terms of activities. activities. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm most interested in, in with the, with stretching it with Shakespeare. We don't know if, if you've listened to other episodes about the book club and you've even listened to previous book club talk episodes. So obviously that will be different in this go round Mm -hmm. because we'll all, since we'll all have the baseline of reading Romeo and Juliet, we're having to rethink the podcast assignment a little bit. We'll record an episode about that in the, in the future. So in the book club, we pair a quote-unquote canonical text, a more traditional text, with a more recent text so that everyone in the class gets to read two, two texts. We're using not necessarily books because one's a play. Why do we do that? Why are we pairing a, a more recent book with uh, a canonical text, an older text? I think there's been a lot of conversations um, in the profession about, you know, considering the canon and really pushing back on the notion that we should only read the dead white guys, right? And um, some people, you know, will still make the argument that what Shakespeare has written is universal and can be universal. Others push back and say, but whose voices are left out? Whose voices are inadvertently or purposefully marginalized because of the time, because of him as a writer? Um, And so I think what we're also trying to get our students to consider um, is to be well-read and to be readers themselves and to seek out new texts that are incorporating the voices of women, the voices of people of color, um, perhaps queer voices. Different so, modalities. Different, different modalities. Um, so I think that, you know, we're responding to the larger conversation that's happening Um you know, there's a, a hashtag on Twitter uh, called Disrupt Texts, and they actually had a, a slow chat, and we will share that with our students, um, where they talked about disrupting the notion that Shakespeare is the only author that we need to read for every year of your four years of high school. You know, so that's something we're going to share with our students, and we're going to engage them in some reflection and thinking about their own high school reading and, you know, thinking about it, you know, whether we have them do pie charts or just think like a demographic, like who did you read and who did you not, like who did you miss out on, that sort of thing. And to reflect on their own reading as high schoolers, but now as teachers, you know, what books do you need to make sure are on your classroom library shelves? What books do you want to advocate for in your 
high school library or, you know, at the public library or whatever, um, to make sure that all of our students, K-12, or in this case, 9-12, see themselves. You know, I mean, thinking about Rudine Sims Bishop and, you know, books are windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. Are all of our students having these profound reading experiences? Because if you don't have that kind of profound reading experience, then you grow up and you're not a reader. You know, you you have to see yourself. You have to learn about others. Um, it builds empathy. I mean, all the research, we know what being an avid reader does for you, for your brain, um, and for humanity, I think. It, it also helps you be a little more empathetic human. Um, so that's, I think, why we've decided to pair. Now, will we get to a point with this book club and with po- the podcast um, episode where we're com- asking them to compare two texts? Will we get to a point where we drop the canonical text and maybe just consider a a brand new uh, young adult lit text? Or will we, you know, consider other genres even? I mean, we've talked about poetry, short stories, that sort of thing, nonfiction. Um, We've had some conversations about some interdisciplinary work, having our students read across, um, you know, what we would consider content areas. Um, But I think for now, for this semester, it's Romeo and Juliet paired with um, one of nine contemporary texts. So in the spring 2020 version of WRH 325, everyone is reading Romeo and Juliet. They're reading it on myshakespeare.com, so we're reading it digitally. We announce that to students on the very first day of class, and they have, I think, a full month, about four weeks, to have fully read the, the entirety of the play. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll have a focus, we'll have a conversation the whole day where we just devote it to like a Shakespeare festival. And then I think the following week is when we will more fully introduce the whole book club assignment, which is when we'll learn more about the book pairings. And Dr. Schmidt will be giving uh, little mini book talks about the, the, the nine books that will be the pairs. And I think you want to do a little bit of a preview here of a couple, sure. a couple of those. So what do we have? And we have the thing that I think that is really exciting is we have multiple uh, aimed at multiple age groups and then the different modalities. It's not just all a traditional book, a traditional novel. Yes. And then the other thing that we are going to make sure to do is to since we did say we're going to do Romeo and Juliet, everybody's reading that where students will get the option to have the say is we'll let them rank the top three books of the nine that we've chosen. We'll give them the say they can rank which ones they want to do the most, the second or the third. And I even left an option in there if they don't have any persuasion, that they're just happy to engage in whatever way. All right. So for uh, Book Club 2020, our options are going to be Love, Hate, and Other Filters by Samira Ahmed, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, the graphic novel of Romeo and Juliet by Gareth Hines. All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Alir Sayens. If You Come Softly by Jacqueline Woodson. Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli. And Everything, Everything by Nicola Yoon. So of the ones you just shared, I heard one that is a graphic novel, so people should be aware of that. Are there others that skew in a particular direction, like for young, maybe younger readers or for older readers, or are there some where you're thinking they highlight a particular theme? One that you just think we should um, highlight. This is a bit of a preview for our students, but still. Um, Stargirl, I think, 
is manageable in middle school. Okay. Um, along with Fault in Our Stars, I think a lot of middle school students um, are already fans of John Green. Uh, the film came out. So mm-hmm. I think that those could be middle school, like 7th, 8th grade. What would, you, would you put Eleanor and Park in that same? Mm-hmm. Or would you still... Mm-hmm. You'd still bump it in, I think in so, secondary? Yeah. Okay. Maybe ninth. I think Eleanor and Park adds an element of socioeconomic status. We know that in Romeo and Juliet, both families are sort of of equal status. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that adds that piece to it. Um, Aristotle and Dante give us um, a gay male couple. So, you know, challenging heteronormative elements of Romeo and Juliet and thinking through... Um, you know, what makes this story different? Um, if You Come Softly has racial overtones along with the graphic novel. So in the graphic novel, um, Gareth Hines has chosen to make uh, Romeo's family African and Juliet's family um, Indian. Oh, so so he's added... Um, A whole other layer. Yeah, um, ethnic racial tensions, um, yeah. tensions instead of just, you know, these are two two families who mostly look alike. Um, so he's added that with the graphic novel. So I'm excited. Like all of these choices, I think, give us something to think about and push back in terms of what's different about this text, but then also what are the themes? What are the connective tissues? You know, what's the advantage, disadvantage of having students read the more contemporary text over the play? Yeah, none of them are novels in verse, unless I'm forgetting something. That would have been cool if we had one that was like a novel in verse. Always something we can grow into yeah. for, for for future iterations. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that continues to baffle me, and it's part of the conversation about the strength of the canon. It's It's the other side of the coin of reading mostly old, if not old, then dead white men from the Western tradition is the saturation of of the the story of Romeo and Juliet was able to produce nine spinoffs, nine inspirations of similar themes. The narrative is powerful. Like the the themes Mm -hmm. and the emotions that are evoked by the narrative are powerful enough that they continue to be reinterpreted. Yeah, and I think that that's true for these are only nine representations. I think that there are more. Um, I think, you know, it's telling when we still have the ballet version, the stage production, various film iterations that continue to emerge. Um, So, yeah, what makes us keep coming back to this story? And so, again, I think that that's a question that we will ask our students. What is universal and what is not? And where do students lose their engagement with a classic text like this. So in the book club pairing, with the book club pairing, everybody's reading the Romeo and Juliet. Everyone will have been assigned one of these um, more recent texts, one of the nine groups. There'll be nine total groups. They will work together to not only complete a podcast project, which they can't even imagine yet, right. but they'll also write uh, a, a group lesson plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll also cr- write an individual lesson plan about either one or both of the books. Is there one more assignment that I'm missing? We are still playing around with the visual representation. Mm -hmm. So in the past, we've assigned an infographic, and then we wondered out loud if it will just be repetitive because everyone's read Romeo and Juliet. So we... Someone tweeted out, I think, didn't they? That Netflix. It was a tweet. tweet. Um, 
And so at this point, we're considering that as an option, um, creating, using Netflix as a template, um, you know, the way that you see one image and then an episode synopsis. We've thought about having the students create one of those for their individual group book, so their, right. their young adult book. Um, and thinking about that as a possibility, but still we might fence. we might change it. Yeah, it's still on the fence. <laughs> I think in we've in the a, syllabus we've said it's a new media experimental experimenting with new media. Something. Yes, something. we left it purposefully vague. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Notorious Pedagogues about our book club and our book club updated for spring 2020. That means that you should be on the lookout in the next couple of months for uh, updated episodes about the podcast assignment and also student podcasts about the books that Dr. Schmidt shared about and how they connect to Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm.